Welcome to the Daily DDT Podcast, part of the Fansided Podcast Network. Here's your host, Jaden Becker. Kelly Klein files lawsuit against Ring of Honor, John Morrison injured, and I take you through all 18 members of the 2021 WWE Performance Center recruiting class. I'm Jaden Becker, and this is the Daily DDT Podcast. You can catch this podcast on all your favorite platforms for your morning drive, lunch break, or whenever you need your wrestling fix. Make sure you subscribe on Apple Podcasts so you never miss an episode. And remember, you can ask your smart device to play the Daily DDT Podcast. If you like content like this, check out our writers at DailyDDT.com. And if you want to hear more from me, give me a follow on Twitter and Instagram at Jaden Becker TV. Last night was Friday Night Smackdown, but before we get into that, let's check out our news. Kelly Klein files a lawsuit against Ring of Honor. Uh, Kelly Klein was a former Ring of Honor star and has filed an employment discrimination lawsuit against the company, the parent company as well, Sinclair Broadcasting. Names listed as parties in the lawsuit are Ring of Honor General Manager Greg Gilliand, Senior Producer slash Creative Director and Ring of Honor Dojo Head Trainer Hunter Johnson, also known as Delirious, Ring of Honor COO and Vice President of Training and Development, Joe Coff and current Ring of Honor World Tag Team Champion Jay Lethal. Jamar Shipman is the real name, but Jay Lethal is what we've known Jay Lethal as for a very long time. Klein alleges that she was terminated from her ROH contract on December 31st of 2019 because of, quote, her complaints regarding the desperate pay for WHO female wrestlers, the lack of safety and medical protocols after plaintiffs suffered the concussion in October of 2019 and the sexual harassment at Ring of Honor, according to the lawsuit. Klein's complaints alleges breach of implied contract, unpaid royalties, violation of state and federal Equal Pay Acts, and abusive discharge, discrimination and harassment, and unsafe work environment. Klein is seeking $75,000. Looking over at the WWE, John Morrison injured. When facing Riddle on the previous episode of Monday Night Raw, Morrison caught his leg in the ropes and landed with the knee, hitting the floor. Morrison could be seen limping and walking slower than usual later in the show when he had to come back out with the WWE champion, The Miz. That's sort of still a little odd to say there. Uh, there's no word on the severity of the injury or if John Morrison will miss any time at all, but I'll keep you updated. Uh, not going to throw any conspiracies out there, but uh, Morrison and MVP both getting knee injuries facing off against Riddle uh, in back-to-back weeks. It, I think it's an obvious coincidence, but a coincidence that I felt like needed to be noted. Looking at the WWE yesterday, SmackDown had a solid show, and of course, what does every SmackDown start with? Roman Reigns. He makes his way down to the ring like he usually starts every Friday Night SmackDown, and I think the last week was one of the only weeks uh, during his Universal Championship run that he hasn't started the show. At least his entrance music hasn't been the first song to hit. Uh, But, of course, he cuts a promo bragging about how he destroyed Daniel Bryan at the Elimination Chamber and believes his night wasn't perfect because of Edge spearing uh, Roman Reigns and then uh, pointing at the WrestleMania sign uh, confirming the match at WrestleMania. Uh, Roman Reigns now telling Edge to back out of the match uh, because he doesn't want to hurt Edge. You know, he has a family, his wife, his kids, and all that stuff. Same thing that Randy Orton said. Uh, meanwhile, two weeks ago, funny enough, uh, Roman Reigns was pretty much begging Edge to pick him. So I thought that was good heel work there, uh, switching things up on the fly like that. Uh, Daniel Bryan enters believing Reigns is a cowardly for 
uh, Reigns having the match right after Daniel Bryan won uh, the Elimination Chamber, given the amount of rest time that Daniel Bryan had, which was uh, absolutely nothing. Uh, Daniel Bryan challenges Roman Reigns at Fastlane for the Universal Championship. Uh, Jay Uso screams into the microphone saying that he has to go through the right-hand man first, and Uso attacks Daniel Bryan. I, I wrote screams into the microphone because uh, Jay Uso is, is rarely ever speaking into the microphone. He is always shouting in loud phrases, uh, you know, whatever. I don't even know. I'm going to get him. I'm going to get him. You know, give him a, I'm, I'm a fool. I don't even know what he says anymore. Like, it, it's kind of delirious all the time when it comes to Jey Uso. But it is what it is. They ended up having a match for the main event of the night. But we'll get to that later on. Uh, but I thought this was a good way to open the show. Uh, no Edge coming out uh, in the beginning of this. And uh, we don't see him throughout the rest of the night except in the backstage spots. So, uh, yeah, that's the only one thing that I really noticed about this segment. But I thought it was good. And every time Roman Reigns opens the show, I think he does a good job. Because uh, he's a welcoming face, if you will. A recognizable face. Maybe not welcoming is not the right word, but a recognizable face. Uh, that's one of the main reasons why they had Roman Reigns versus Kevin Owens on Christmas after the football game in a steel cage. So people always recognize that face. So I get it. And uh, I continue to enjoy Roman Reigns and what he does as Universal Champion. Next match, Mysterio Family versus Alpha Academy. Remember last week, Otis and uh, Chad Gable. O Otis splashed uh, Rey Mysterio in the middle of the ring. Uh, from the second rope, so that was a big spot and a lot of booze there, given that it was an implied heel turn that had to be reported later as a heel turn. Uh, Rey Mysterio's ribs are taped up uh, for this match after last week's events. Uh, piped in booze for, for this match and for Otis, which was obviously a little odd for me to hear, but uh, we got to start recognizing that now as he is the heel. Uh, Dominic with an explosive hot tag throughout the match and a double 619, but Otis breaks up the pin. Otis connects with a second rope splash to Rey Mysterio to pick up the win. More booze for Otis, which uh, I think confirms the heel turn right then and there. Like, all right, Otis is a heel now, so is Chad Gable. And... Yes, I'm a little, honestly, a little sad to see it because I did gain an emotional connection to Otis. I think a lot of people did, especially throughout his run uh, with Manny Rose and obviously the Money in the Bank stuff. A lot of people gained a com uh, connection with Otis, but honestly, I think this is a great thing for Otis because if he kept on doing what he was doing, he wasn't really going to get anywhere. He's just turning the wheels. Now at this point, now he's finally moving in a direction and adding some more depth to that Otis character and adding a lot more depth to Chad Gable as well. Because this could be sort of like a manipulative type of thing where Chad Gable is telling Otis what, what to do and it's sort of like a brainwashing effect. We haven't seen Otis fight back to Chad Gable in any way, shape, or form. So he's very compliant to everything Chad Gable is saying. But I wonder if there's going to be a snap out of it moment or something around those lines. Uh, go, going way, way down the line though. I'm not, not going to see that anytime soon. I, I want to see a good heel run from Otis uh, in the meantime because he can definitely do that very well. Speaking of heel runs... Uh, Apollo Cruz. he has the next match versus Shinsuke Nakamura. Cruz enters with a new towel that he holds around his arm and then puts around his neck once he enters the ring. And he doesn't feel like he's receiving the same respect that he was giving other people uh, earlier in his, pretty much, he didn't say this on air, but in his babyface run at, earlier prior to his new attitude, uh, he didn't feel like he's getting the same respect. So now he's giving the respect that he feels like other people deserve, which is none because he didn't receive any. Uh, he says he's from Nigeria and is from Nigerian royalty and that he's a real African-American, he says. Uh, the green and white color stands for wealth, dominance, and power. 
and didn't go back to catering like Big E said. He went back to his roots. I absolutely adore this. I think this is the best thing Apollo Crews has done so far. I really, uh, I used to write for a blog a while back uh, when he was having his run with the United States Championship, and a lot of people considered him turning him heel at the time. This was back in April of 2020, uh, May of 2020, and a lot of people considered turning him heel, and I thought the big problem with that was he has the perfect babyface smile, man. You look at him smile, he looks like a great babyface, and he, I thought he was just going to continue to run with that babyface uh, smile and, and power and the athletic ability that he had. I didn't really see any reason to turn him heel at the time because I feel like turning him heel as the character that he was didn't really make much sense to me. It just made him just seem more... It, it, it wouldn't have been genuine to me. It just would have felt very forced. But this, I think, feels very genuine. I feel like it's actually coming from his heart, in a sense. He's, he's bringing out... Uh, his roots, like he said, he's bringing out what he feels on the inside uh, instead of uh, portraying what he used to feel or, or what was what he felt like he had to show the respect. But since he didn't receive that respect, now he's going back to his roots. And uh, I like I love the quote. He says he's a real African American. And uh, is he implying that that other professional wrestlers are not real African Americans? Is that what he's implying? Maybe I'm looking a little bit too deep into it, but. Uh, I really appreciate uh, what he did uh, in that beginning promo segment, and he got new ring gear as well. Uh, it's all he had black tights, but had the green and white uh, aesthetic to it. Very, very nice, and I'm really looking forward to Apollo Cruz. Let's get into this match uh, against Shinsuke Nakamura. Cruz attacks Nakamura before the match, but Nakamura finds himself in control until action falls outside and is driven into the steel steps. Uh, steel has been a big part of Apollo Crews, uh, I guess in this first promo segment, saying that uh, when someone doesn't respect them, respect you, you give them the steal. So he showed that last week when dumping the steel steps onto Big E, and now throwing uh, Shinsuke Nakamura into the steel steps here. Uh, Cruz uses his scarf that was on the top turnbuckle to release himself from a chokehold and throwing Nakamura into the turnbuckle. Uh, a slam from Cruz picks up the victory. Uh, this also could have stemmed from the conversation that Roman Reigns had uh, with Apollo Crews. We never heard what, exactly what they were talking about, but you can believe if this story sort of aligned with each other, Roman Reigns went back to kind of his roots, his Samoan roots, and talking about his family. He's the head of the table, and now Crews went back and reconnected with his roots, his Nigerian roots, and started now expressing that to the world. So if that any if that correlation comes up somewhere down the line, I think that'd be fantastic storytelling. And uh, they didn't mention anything about Roman Reigns when talking about Apollo Crews in this episode of SmackDown, but I can see that correlation there, uh, especially uh, maybe, maybe I might be making up or maybe looking a little bit too deep into it, but we've seen Roman Reigns and Apollo Crews talking before backstage. If this is a moment where Apollo Crews reconnected with his roots because of the conversations he's had with Roman Reigns, that's a big moment not only for Apollo Crews, but also for Roman Reigns, uh, for him to be an influence like that, and an influence onto uh, a superstar in their gimmick. So I thought that was very, very good. And a great segment from Cruz. I can't wait to see where he goes from here with Big E. Next match, Liv Morgan versus Tamina. Tamina dominant early on, and Tamina wins. Uh, this was really a nothing match, sadly. Nothing uh, will ever change for Liv Morgan, honestly, until we see a character change from her. And uh, it's just sad to watch sometimes. Uh, Natalia and Tamina, yes, they have a ton of 
quote-unquote potential, even though they've both been in the company for over a decade, even longer than that, decade and a half. And uh, so it's pretty odd to say that they have the potential, but they could be up next for a title opportunity after uh, Belair, Sasha Banks, after WrestleMania, given, you know, maybe they're putting them in line for like a next-in-line slot or something like that. But uh, Or they're going to be the the tag team that faces off against uh, either Nia Jax and... Shayna Baszler, or hopefully uh, Dakota Kai and Raquel Gonzalez, which is my prediction and my hope for next week's NXT with the NXT Women's Tag Team Championships on the line. But once again, with Liv Morgan, we'll, nothing is going to change with her until we see some type of character change. But every time you see Liv Morgan, you're just going to have to assume that she's going to lose because it is just an absolute disgrace. Disgrace. Um, you know, we, we people were complaining about uh, Nakamura losing... The match to Apollo Crews saying they could have found a, a low low uh, bottom of the end card guy, but what impact would have that made on Apollo Crews, who's debuting a, a new character? You know, have him be a big time guy like Shinsuke Nakamura. Now they're one one and they get to have a rubber match, so I'm okay with that. But with in Liv Morgan's case over here, with Tamina, Liv Morgan's just losing, 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 losing. I want, I genuinely want to root for Liv Morgan. I, I wonder if they're going to try to come up with a comeback story in some way, shape, or form. And I think they even tried to do that earlier, uh, back when she came back in the middle of uh, the pandemic in April and May. But where did that turn out? To nothing. So I, I can only assume it's going to turn out into nothing again. But and from nothing to something, here's something. Bianca Belair making her WrestleMania decision. Uh, she was introduced by Adam Pearce and Sonya Deville in ring. A video package for both Asuka and Sasha Banks played. Not Io Shirai, uh, which uh, Edge, you know, he did go to NXT and talk to Finn Balor and uh, Pete Dunne if he was to win that match at uh, Avengers Day. And I feel like they could have done the same and just mentioned Io Shirai's name, even if it wasn't she wasn't an option. But, you know, there's supposed to be three brands, and NXT's not supposed to be the quote-unquote developmental brand in my head anymore because they're just that good so uh, i was a little confused why they didn't show shirai but i kind of get it at the same time they're trying to make her focus on the main roster which is okay but either way just just no harm if you just mentioned shirai's name no harm in it uh reginald enters uh the sommelier and calls belair a loser if she makes the wrong decision sasha banks enters and shoves reginald aside uh, Banks with a heelish type promo uh, calls Belair a second best in the uh, women's division, and I say heelish, but they had the cheers piped in over the loudspeakers. So I guess you know I, I don't want Banks to turn heel, but all her promos are he- somewhat heelish, but they have the crowd rooting for her, you know. So it, it's that's the only odd thing in my head is that. Yeah, she'd been she cussed these he, even when she was going against Bailey, right? And for Hell in a Cell, she was cutting some slight heelish promos as well at the time. So all all the time, Sasha Banks kind of confused me on when every time she cuts a promo because you know she's the best, she's the boss, she's the standard, she's the blooper, whatever, whatever, whatever. But the way that she delivers these promos aren't in a cheery way; they're more in like a cocky, braggy way. That's how I interpret it. Maybe I'm looking at it a little wrong, but that's the way it comes through to me. Belair picks Sasha Banks as the match for WrestleMania, so it's going to be Belair versus Banks at WrestleMania. I can't wait. 
very excited. If this, I, I, this is actually one. I, it's close with me right now. Between, nah, it's not that close. It's, but I want this Belair Banks match to happen. I want it to happen for a long time. If it was Belair Oscar, I feel like it would have been a nothing match for me. Uh, given the fact that Oscar has been booked so poorly lately, uh, the next credible opponent to go up against Oscar, I'm telling you, is going to take that belt off her right away. I think the WWE might be done with Oscar. To be honest with you, at this point, she almost served her purpose at um at the beginning of the pandemic a lot of people took a liking to her especially around the time of money in the bank and when she became raw women's champion now they really have no use for her so that, that it's sort of a tough situation and oscar's a fantastic fantastic professional wrestler but just wwe not giving her the benefit of the doubt at this point it's honestly kind of sad but belair on the other side of the coin is being booked to the moon and i think she's going to be the next big thing not only in the women's division, but in the WWE as a whole. I compare her to Drew McIntyre at the uh, start of the Royal Rumble in 2020, even before that, December 2019. They're pushing him to the moon, and um, he was the next big thing, and I think Belair is going to be the next big thing as well, moving into a new era of professional wrestling after COVID-19. The Street Profits versus Sami Zayn and King Corbin. Ziggler and Rude watching on backstage, holding on to those red solo cups, mocking the Street Profits. A documentary crew prevents Corbin from getting back into the ring on accident, allowing for Angelo Dawkins to gain control. Corbin pushes the camera crew again on the outside after they get in his way, and Ford dives to the outside onto Corbin, and to end the match, Ford with a nice big frog splash onto Zayn for the win. Good match, solid match. Uh, a lot of people are confused on why um, the Street Profits have to start from the bottom of the division, even though they deserve a rematch and haven't gotten a rematch for the SmackDown Tag Team Championships that they lost to uh, the Dirty Dogs, a.k.a. Ziggler and Rude. So I was a little confused about that too, but honestly, it's not like you're starting from the bottom of a 10-man tag team division. You're starting from the bottom of a three-man, <laughs> three-team tag team division at this? I don't even know anymore. It's so, so, so dwindled away that these titles, yes, they mean something, but they're kind of devalued. Uh, I, I just want to see more tag team rivalries that don't have anything to do with the belt, but because of a grudge or something like that, I would like to see that a lot more than the tag team championships. It doesn't really mean much to me anymore. Also, on a side note, a new WWE signee, and this I, this is not confirmed. This is not confirmed, so this is all my opinion. And but from what how he looked, I can almost say for positive sake that Blake Christian might have been the uh, documentary crew member that got pushed by King Corbin. It looks just like him, just like him. So we're gonna talk about the 18 uh, members in that recruiting class for the Performance Center. Uh, in the second half of this podcast, but I just want to say, Blake Christian, the new signee, uh, getting his foot in the door somewhere, and if it's not him, I apologize, but I, I, I could almost confirm it, I could almost confirm it, because their faces look absolutely identical, they had the red hair, red beard, so you could, so you could almost confirm it, almost confirm it. Next segment, Seth Rollins cuts a promo, uh, the beginning of the promo is interrupted by Cesaro, uh, Rollins can barely get a word out. Uh, and uh, Cesaro, who is looking to attack Seth Rollins, but is stopped by uh, Rollins because of so stopped by Rollins because he was being complimented uh, about his athletic ability and everything that he's able to do in the ring. Uh, but one thing Rollins believes Cesaro doesn't have is the killer instinct. That's why he keeps on coming up short. Rollins wants to make 
uh, Cesaro's dreams come true and to reach that brass ring and to break the glass ceiling uh, and for Cesaro to embrace the vision, which is the new tagline for Seth Rollins. And uh, Cesaro grabs Rollins by the ankles and swings him around and around and around. And it was one of the best Cesaro swings I've seen in a long time. Funny enough, Seth Rollins holding on to the microphone, telling Cesaro to put him down was probably one of the funniest parts of the night. And uh, the swing was absolutely insane. And Rollins did a great job of taking his jacket off and holding it up so it even looked like a bigger swing as well. And, uh, you know, it's a lot easier for Cesaro to swing a guy around that isn't 300, over 300 pounds like Braun Strowman. So when you're swinging a guy around like Seth Rollins, it looks a lot better. And uh, that was fantastic. Uh, the segment sort of ends there. I uh, can't wait to see Rollins back in the ring once again. I'm kind of not getting sick of these promos because this was a good one. But I want to see him in the ring. I really do. And uh, I know they're waiting for a good moment to do that. But he shouldn't just be a pay-per-view only guy. I want to see him in the ring on a SmackDown every week, every other week competing in ring. That's what I want to see from Rollins. And uh, hopefully uh, Cesaro and Rollins can have a match soon because I think that would be very good. Looking on to our main event, Daniel Bryan versus Jay Uso. If Daniel Bryan wins, he'll face Roman Reigns for the Universal Championship at Fastlane. Uh, Bryan going for a dive to the outside, but a super kick from Jay Uso as Bryan was crossing through the ropes, stopping Bryan in his tracks. Uso attacks the bad knee of Bryan on the outside, the bad knee that Bryan injured at Elimination Chamber. Uh, Bryan tries to lock in the, the yes lock throughout the match, but the action falls outside in a double countout on the outside. So a match that didn't really end in a true ending. Well, I guess the bell did ring and no, it was a draw. But uh, a little odd to see. Uh, wasn't expecting that at all. I was expecting a Roman Reigns entrance. And a Roman Reigns entrance did come, but it was after the match. Uh, Reigns uh, connected with a spear and locked in the guillotine to Brian as the show faded to black. And, uh, well... Just because you have a stipulation doesn't mean that that stipulation has to come true every time you, you see it on the TV. Same thing with uh, Braun Strowman we saw on Monday. Just because a stipulation is there where there's a chance that he can go face off against The Miz doesn't mean it needs to happen. I think, once again, it makes, I think this makes... It's tough to say that it makes Roman Reigns look strong because he wasn't involved in the match. But it does help out the fact that Jay Uso, who's, I think, before this match, lost 10 matches in a row. Yes, it hurts Daniel Bryan. And would it have been fun to see Daniel Bryan and Roman Reigns go at it? Sure. But what would it have led to? Daniel Bryan losing? So he was going to lose anyway. Why Why not make him lose here? Uh, I We're going to probably see a tag team match at Fastlane between Daniel Bryan and Edge taking on Roman Reigns and Jay Uso. They were talking about that through the night if... Uh, Daniel Bryan didn't win this match that that was going to happen so that's probably what we'll see at Fastlane which I feel like is is a decent match and something to get Edge involved before WrestleMania I like to see I would like to see Edge in the ring before WrestleMania and outside of the Royal Rumble match in an actual match match again so I feel like that would be good and also talk speaking about Edge a surprise he was nowhere to be found towards the on uh, the back end of the segment with Roman Reigns attacking Daniel Bryan where was Edge Edge not attacking uh, or saving Daniel Bryan there. A little odd. That was a little odd for me. Uh, maybe it leads to some dissension between Daniel Bryan and Edge, but I doubt it. I don't think they'd turn Bryan heel uh, again, even though it was great. I don't think they'd do it so soon. 
And need the same thing with the Edge. There's no reason he's the babyface of all babyfaces making his return. One fun fun match would be, of course, would be Daniel Bryan and Edge both telling pretty much a similar story. They thought they were done, and they both came back to compete in the WWE once again. So, good stories all around. Coming up next, after the break, we're going to talk about the 2021 WWE Performance Center class. I'm going to run through the whole list, giving you an in-depth look on every single one that was in that report. Uh, the recruiting class and it should be a fun time because uh definitely interesting to see who they signed and why they signed them and where they could be going forward in the wwe so stick with us right here on the daily ddt podcast on this day in pro wrestling history on february 27th 1974 giant baba became the first pacific wrestling federation world heavyweight champion other participants in the tournament that was held for Giant Baba to win that tournament were Abdullah the Butcher, Bobo Brazil, Dick Bear, aka The Destroyer, Terry Funk, Don Leo Jonathan, Pat O'Connor, Bruno San Martino, and Wilbur Snyder. Giant Baba would hold on to that title for the next 1,920 days when Tor Kamada defeated him for it on June 1st. 1978. I felt like I needed to go back a little bit. I've been doing a lot of on these days very recent to uh, 2021, whether it be in the 2000s or 2010s, because that's something I grew up on. But I felt like today we need to go way back a bit just just to see. And that's a huge number. 1,920 days. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. Speaking of big moments, 18 people got big moments, big phone calls, big contracts signing with the WWE and the WWE Performance Center 2021 class, a stacked list. And let's start off at the top. Bronson Rick Steiner, the son of former WCW and WWE Tag Team Champion Rick Steiner, comes to the WWE from the gridiron. He played football at 6 feet tall and 230 pounds. He was an All-American running back at Kennesaw State University. some of these are the direct thing that WWE said. They had a whole list themselves, but I wanted to go more in depth on who these people are and what they've actually done in either professional wrestling or in their past because some of them have never stepped in a ring before. So I really wanted to deep dive a little bit more than what the blurb said from the WWE because half the time they don't mention where else have they wrestled. They didn't, they don't, not going to say Impact. They're not going to say AEW. They're not going to say, you know, a lot of other companies that they could have wrestled for, but uh, I'm going to give that to you here. So that's the main point of all this. He was also signed by the Baltimore Ravens as a fullback, but was cut in August of 2020 going into the regular season. Up next, Taya Valkyrie. Yes, you remember that name. WWE, this is their blurb. Is an Taya Valkyrie is an 11-year veteran of the Squared Circle, a classically trained ballerina. Foster, her real name, Kira Foster, learned wrestling under Lance Storm before breaking out in Mexico in the AAA promotion. Uh, she has competed around the world since. Uh, as WWE mentioned, uh, she wrestled for Lucha Libre AAA, uh, Lucha Underground, and Impact Wrestling, which she's best known for being in. Uh, also the longest reigning Impact Knockouts champion of all time, and a former AAA Rena de Renas champion. Uh, one of the most well-known names in this class, uh, Taya Valkyrie. Obviously a huge move coming over to the WWE. And uh, you can only imagine for her sake, she's been wrestling around all around the world, never having a chance at the WWE. Now I believe she's 37 years old, finally making it to the WWE. Can't wait to see her on NXT very, very, very soon. Up next, Sean Ricker but the better name known as Eli Drake. Sorry, I had to do that. 
Uh, Eli Drake recently debuted on NXT television as L.A. Knight, which, you know, I had to do that again, I apologize, a former NWA television champion and has competed against Drew McIntyre, John Morrison, and Jeff Hardy. That was WWE's blurb. Uh, he's known for his time with Impact Wrestling, uh, where he's a former one-time Impact World Champion, a TNA King of the Mountain Champion, and Impact World Tag Team Champion with Scott Steiner. Uh, he has won two Feast or Fired briefcases. Uh, he's also known with his tenure in NWA, where he was the former NWA World Tag Team Champion with James Storm. Uh, the last I seen him was on NWA on uh, was it NWA Shockwave. So that was the last time we saw Eli Drake. And now see him in NXT cutting a few promos as well. Angela Arnold. Angela Arnold trained for the squared circle under WWE Hall of Famer Booker T, competing as AQA. She impressed in action for Booker T's reality of wrestling promotion, as well as Shimmer. Uh, she's a two-time ROW Diamond Division champion. Uh, she made her debut in Impact Wrestling in the joint promotional event of Impact Wrestling versus Reality of Wrestling Deep Impact. Uh, she had the distinct privilege, and this is the quote there, distinct privilege of wrestling against future Impact Wrestling knockouts Tessa Blanchard, Kira Hogan, and uh, Kylie Ray, and future NXT superstar Shotzi Blackheart, and future AEW uh, women's wrestler Penelope Ford. So big moments for An uh, Angela Arnold now finding her way to the WWE and obviously has gone against some big names and one of the main reasons why she was so recognized and so touted for, to be signed by the WWE. Here's one of the biggest names in this 18-person list. Parker Badeau of Winter Garden, Florida stands six foot four, weighs 300 pounds. The big man was an offensive lineman for the University of Central Florida, UCF, and has caught the eye of Paul Heyman on social media. Uh, you've probably seen him on Twitter, especially if you do follow Paul Heyman. And not even that, he, uh, Parker Boudot himself, he follows a lot of people and he's very, very active on Twitter. So uh, if you've been around professional wrestling Twitter, you've probably seen him. And uh, he has no in-ring experience at all he is, uh, prior to signing with the WWE. But he's been touted as the second coming of Brock Lesnar, if you will. Uh, given his size, given his look, given his strength, given, you know, he looks a lot like Brock Lesnar. I'm just going to keep it at that. He's a big guy, big white guy, and uh, has tattoos on his arms and puts, like, purple streaks in his hair on the sides. I wouldn't want him in a fight, but once again, has no in-ring experience, so obviously very, very green. We'll see what happens with Parker Boudot, but they have the rocket strapped to him, and he hasn't even stepped in a ring yet on, a, uh, on television ever. So we'll see how it goes, but he's gotten high praises from not only Paul Heyman, but Triple H as well. So we'll see with Brodeau. And obviously, they have a lot of eggs in his basket, and I think he he's all in on professional wrestling as well. He's been all in for a long time, so uh, we'll see how Brodeau goes. Anthony Henry, another name, is a standout competitor from Evolve Wrestling and has competed on WWE Network. He's been in ring with superstars like the Street Profits, current, team, current NXT, NXT Tag Team Champions Oni Larkin and Danny Burch, Nash Carter of MSK, and Roderick Strong. He's a one-time Evolved Tag Team Champion, one-time FIP World Heavyweight Champion, and one-time PWX Heavyweight Champion. So Anthony Henry going against some big names and was on the radar for the WWE because of Evolve and Evolve's connection to the WWE and the WWE Network. 
Chance Barrow, better known to fans as Harlem Bravado, is a veteran of the independent scene. That's a, is that is that a, a nice way to put it? A veteran of the independent scene. Uh, the North Carolina native, native has found success as a singles and tag team competitor and has made his way to Japan to compete for pro wrestling NOAA. Uh, he's won the Open Gate, uh, Open United Gate Championship, FIP Tag Team Championship, and WrestleForce Tag Team Championship with Lancelot Bravado as the Bravado Brothers. Here's a name you might uh, remember and have seen on NXT, uh, Teresa Serrano, but now competing as Zoe Stark. Uh, she debuted on NXT in the first ever Women's Dusty Rose Tag Team Classic. Her intense in-ring style has made her a standout for the black and gold brand in short order. Uh, she used to go by the name Lacey Ryan, Lacey Ryan, yes, that's correct, and uh, the FSW Women's Champion and NWA UCW Zero Ultra X Champion, and she also worked for Impact, so she's been around the block, but most recently, I think she's best touted right now for the past few matches that she's had on NXT. She's already uh, making waves, and she went against Io Shirai last week on NXT and had a fantastic match with her. Uh, something I, I honestly thought, I didn't think it was going to be a squash, but I didn't think it was going to be as competitive as it was. So we start to look really, really good for a match that she probably didn't deserve to get. But uh, after that competition, I think she definitely deserved it and did a fantastic job. Next person, Christian Brigham, is a Massachusetts native with six years of experience in the ring under the name Christian Casanova. Oh, yeah. Multiple-time champion working in the independent promotions in the Northeast. He has multiple titles in uh, New England and uh, upstate New York, Connecticut, New York City, all that. So he's really been working the independent scene in the Northeast and now finally recognized by the WWE. Christian Casanova, huge signing by the WWE to get him under contract. Absolutely huge. Priscilla Kelly, now going by Gigi Dolan, uh, com competed in the 2018 May Young Classic and returned to the WWE for the first ever Women's Dusty Rose Tag Team Classic in NXT. Uh, she worked for the World Wrestling Network from 2016-2019, competed in the May Young Classic, as I just mentioned, and spent some time in the Tokyo Joshi Pro Wrestling promotion and AEW she also found her way there in the all-out casino battle royal so she's been around the block a little bit and now finding her way to the WWE uh, for someone that has a, a ton of talent a ton of talent especially when you get that invite to the Mae Young Classic you were recognized a while back she just couldn't get that contract through and now she finally got it uh, at this point good for her Drew Casper is the brother of Jacob Casper who joined the WWE Performance Center in October of 2020 the 285-pounder was a two-time All-American heavyweight wrestler for Otterbin University and was the number one seeded wrestler in the NCAA Division III tournament before it was canceled due to, due to the COVID-19 pandemic. Uh, already, this kid, Drew Casper, has a fantastic true backstory of himself, and there's a lot of uh, articles being written about him before this, saying that he was battling depression and trying to live up to his brother and not being crowned an NCAA champion due to the pandemic. Like, he, he was really top-notch stuff in Division Three wrestling, and to find his way to WWE to follow his brother, absolutely huge for Drew Casper, a person that probably would have gone on and won NCAA championships, but couldn't, unfortunately, due to, to, due to the pandemic, but already has a chip on his shoulder coming into the WWE. Story almost wrote itself right there. So good for Casper, recognizing his dream and going after it. Good for him. Brianna Coda, 
now known as Cora Jade, is a 19-year-old Illinois native who has been competing in ring since 2018 and who debuted for NXT in the Women's Dusty Road Tag Team Classic. I'm 19 years old, and I'm doing a pro wrestling podcast. I'm not in, in ring, even though that, that, that could be a dream one day. Pulled her from... Uh, she was pulled from a GCW match against AEW star Joey Janela. If you remember that that news a few weeks back, this is the person that was pulled uh, from that match. Jade, formerly known as Ilana Black, was scheduled to face Janela at Game Changer Wrestling's Fight Forever, and she's worked partially for Impact and AEW. So she's, for 19 years old, she's done a lot and a ton of potential, a ton, a ton, a ton of potential. A lot of, you got to remember, a lot of these people's dreams are to be in the WWE because that's what they grew up watching. They grew up watching the WWE. Not a lot of people grew up watching or were introduced to pro wrestling through TNA and obviously not AEW wasn't around back then, but they grew up watching the WWE. And for them, like, oh, why would you go to the WWE? Because that's the dream. That's the ultimate dream for a lot of people. Next name, Christian Hubble. He is a former college cheerleader who has broken out on the independent scene in recent months. The Tennessee native made a name for himself under the name Blake Christian in promotions like Pro Wrestling Gorilla and Game Changer Wrestling. He did a fantastic job during this year's Super J Cup and Impact's X Cup. I can't believe Impact let him slip away and go to the WWE. He would have been a perfect mid-card piece as they're trying to promote some of these mid-card guys up to the main event in Impact Wrestling. He would have been a perfect piece for them. And the fact that they didn't get him nailed down, someone with a ton of potential in the world, uh, it's honestly a shame, but the WWE taking full advantage of it. And as I mentioned, I think, I think that he was on last night's episode of Friday Night SmackDown. I, I, I genuinely think it's the red hair and the goatee that gave it away for me. Next name, Matrick Belton. If you heard that name before and you're a USC fan, he played Division I football for the University of South Carolina and has attended training camps for the NFL's Philadelphia Eagles. He's prepared for the rigors of the ring by training in the Combat Zone Wrestling Academy in New Jersey. He has a ton of potential and a kid with a dream. That's really what the, the tag is on for Matrick Belton. Uh, Obviously, to play at a Division One level for football, that takes a lot of skill. And for him to recognize that his football aspirations weren't going to make it, and for him to now transition over to the WWE, you can only imagine the kid with a dream that has the physical ability, not only with that dream, to move forward. Cameron Clay has been competing in-ring for four years under the name Cameron Brunet and has been in-ring with the likes of NXT's Shotzi Blackheart. Uh, she's already had a decent amount of in-ring experience on the independent circuit, but never really reached that top echelon like the couple of the other names that I mentioned that have competed in, in Impact, have competed in AEW. She hasn't yet, but making her way to the WWE. Joe Ariola is a 25-year-old amateur wrestler from Oak Park, Illinois. An undefeated state champion and national champion in high school, Ariola wrestled for the University of Buffalo in college, qualifying for the NCAA tournament in 2016. As, as they mentioned, fantastic uh, wrestler, not only in college, but Illinois state champ. That, that record was uh, set 47-1 his senior year in high school, so I had to do a little bit of digging to find that because there wasn't a lot of information on Joe Ariola, but a uh, fantastic wrestler when it comes to real in-ring mat wrestling for the NCAA and going to transition that now into the sports entertainment world. Taylor Gardo of Clear Beach, Florida, 
competed as Avery Taylor for promotions like Evolve and Shine. Uh, she is an ACW Women's Champion. Carissa Rivera of New Jersey has made a name for herself on the independent wrestling scene for promotions like New and WWR. Made her debut for the WWE in 2018 during the November 14th episode of NXT, losing to Lacey Evans. So this is not her first time being in the WWE, but not completely under contract, if you will, or at least not touted as such. And Rivera returned to the following year in 2019 in April uh, as a part of a tag team with uh, Chris Statlander and uh, herself, just going by the name Carissa, uh, as the Brooklyn Bells. Uh, They lost a tag title match against the WWE Women's Tag Team Champions, the Iconics. And Rivera also appeared as Bobby Lashley's ex-wife on an episode of Monday Night Raw. So she's been all over the place with the WWE, and I felt like I wanted to put her last because I thought that was kind of hilarious where, you know, you're just getting invited to the Performance Center, you're finally going to reach your dream, reach your goal, but you already had a taste of the WWE life, and you know, yeah, I'm gonna, I might be a wife, of, an ex-wife of somebody or something like that. But uh, I, I thought that was funny. But once again, congratulations to all 18 members of this recruiting class. Absolutely fantastic and a great job by the WWE scouting out some fantastic names. Fantastic names that we're going to see on NXT hopefully very soon. For next episode, I'm going to do for the final day of Black History Month, top 10 African-American wrestlers of all time. So make sure you stay tuned for that tomorrow. So that's all for me. You can catch this podcast on all your favorite providers. Make sure you subscribe on Apple Podcasts so you never miss an episode. And remember, you can ask your smart device to play the Daily DDT Podcast. If you like content like this, check out our writers at DailyDDT.com. And if you want to hear more from me, give me a follow on Twitter and Instagram at JadenBeckerTV. I'll see you tomorrow with another episode of the Daily DDT Podcast.